Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast, where we interview leaders in the sports event industry. This is Jason Gewertz, executive editor and publisher of Sports Travel and the vice president of the sports division of North Star Meetings Group. And our guest on this episode is the CEO of USA Pickleball, Stu Upson. Pickleball is one of the fastest growing sports in the country, according to the Sports and Fitness Industry Association. And in this discussion, we're going to go into what is behind that incredible growth, the status of pickleball specific venues, the growth of the sports events, and some of the challenges that may lie ahead in the face of the rapid expansion and interest that we've seen these past few years. But before we begin, this episode of the Sports Travel Podcast is being sponsored by the Atlantic City Sports Commission. The Atlantic City Sports Commission will source the ideal space or venue for any sporting event. Whether on the water or by it, Atlantic City's world-famous boardwalk and beaches are the perfect place to play and stay. With more than 15 athletic venues, over 17,500 hotel rooms, and a 486,000 square foot convention center and more, events held in Atlantic City are right at home. The Atlantic City Sports Commission, in partnership with Pickleball Entertainment Consultants, LLC, is also thrilled to announce that the Atlantic City Convention Center will be serving up the world's largest indoor pickleball championships on September 19th through the 24th, 2022. For more information on everything Atlantic City has to offer, visit AtlanticCitySports.org. And now, on to the conversation. Stu Upson has been around the sports events industry for years. His past experience has seen him work in a number of leadership aspects of the industry, from serving five years as vice president of business development for Major League Baseball properties, four years as senior vice president of sports and entertainment for First USA Bank, the senior vice president of Skip Barber Racing, and nearly five years as executive director of the U.S. Bowling Congress, the national governing body of the sport. Most recently, he was chief operating officer of the International Tennis Hall of Fame, where the sport of pickleball was very much on the radar of the tennis community. In December 2020, he was named CEO of USA Pickleball, which is the national governing body of what the SFIA says is one of the fastest growing sports in the country. In the association's last industry report issued in early 2021, it reported that participation in pickleball has grown more than 20% in the United States, with more than 4 million people estimated to be playing the game. As a national governing body, USA Pickleball Pickleball now boasts about 50,000 members, which is an impressive number for a sport that is relatively young. If you're not familiar with pickleball, it's a sport very much at home with tennis enthusiasts since it involves a court similar to tennis, although smaller, and with a net and out-of-bounds lines. Uh, Players use paddles to hit a plastic ball across the net, and the smaller court dimensions have made the sport popular in particular with seniors who don't have to cover as much ground and still have an enjoyable competitive experience. USA Today once described the sport as the love child of tennis and badminton with strands of table tennis DNA, which seems about right. Uh, While it remains a largely recreational endeavor, professional leagues have now sprouted, and events in the sport are reaching some impressive venues with USA Pickleball's own national championship being staged at the Indian Wells Tennis Garden in California, site of one of the largest tennis events in the world. In fact, the Billie Jean King National Tennis Center in New York has also recently signed a three-year deal to host a major event for the Association of Pickleball Professionals, one of two major professional tours in the sport starting
recording this May. In this episode, we will talk with Upson about what has accounted for all of this growth and the status of pickleball-specific venues, which are being developed around the country. We'll also delve into the growth of events overall, the explosion in equipment manufacturers to meet all this demand, and the challenges ahead for a sport that has a significant upward trajectory. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Stu Upson, welcome to the Sports Travel Podcast. Jason, great to be here and good to see you again. Yeah, it's nice to see you too. It's been a while since we last connected. I think it was on wearing one of your previous hats, probably in your bowling life, the last time we were able to sit down and have a conversation. Um, you, of course, are now with Pickleball, leading USA Pickleball, and have been for uh, a while now. So we wanted to have this conversation to talk about the sport, its incredible growth, where it's going. There's a lot happening, and I don't have to tell you, Stu, right now, in the sport of Pickleball. So uh, looking forward to this conversation uh, because all we're seeing is growth right now, but it's taking on some interesting turns, I would say, and, and interesting development as, as we've seen pickleball grow from something that a few people were doing to now something that uh, seems to me to be becoming part of the sports consciousness, if you will. Uh, a lot more recognition and uh, appreciation and respect, I think, for what's happening at the sports. So that's kind of my preamble here. But Stu, you know better than anyone, you know, the stat that we often see quoted was from last year's Sports and Fitness Industry Association, 4 million people, uh, Americans playing in 2020. And I think the reason that number uh, caught so many people by surprise is that was uh, about a 21% increase from the year before. Of course, we'll probably see some updates to those numbers here soon, which I have no doubt will reflect continued growth there. But Stu, let's just start there. What is happening right now in pickleball? What is accounting for this growth that we're seeing across the country right now? Yeah, it's it's an interesting story and kind of a wild time. And as you said, it's, it's growing, but when a sport grows, things get a little crazy. <laughs> but it's usually for the good. And pickleball has been growing pretty consistently for the past five years, but certainly got a big bump in 2020 because of COVID. During the pandemic, people were really looking forward to opportunities to get outside and in a, in a safe environment. And pickleball was perfect for that. You could go to the local park, you could go to your club, you could put up a net in your driveway. So pickleball, like tennis and like golf, did benefit in terms of participation growth that year, but we've been growing steadily well before that. So it wasn't just a one-year phenomenon, but 21% is pretty significant. And then we think, gosh, we think we'll be over 5 million this year. There's no reason to believe that the growth will continue. And there are really two things behind it, I believe. One is that the game is pretty easy to learn. Uh, you can go out there in an hour, an hour and a half, have some fun and you won't embarrass yourself. Yeah. Uh, you, you won't, you, unlike tennis or golf, not, not to pick on those great sports, but you need hours and days and years of lessons to be years to be of lessons sometimes. Yeah. And then pick a ball. If you have some athletic ability or hand eye coordination or certainly any racket or paddle experience, you can get out there and have a good time and be competitive. And the other part of the equation and, and on top of that is the feeling of the sport, it's very open and it's very welcoming. It's a social sport, sort of like bowling in many ways where, yeah, you compete, but then you also go uh, have a beer or a glass of wine or a hot dog afterwards. Right. But pickleball players look at themselves often as a com community and they welcome people to join the community. So there's no resistance if you're a new player just getting in the game. People are going to invite you to come play. And uh, that's a pretty positive thing and today's 
somewhat divisive society, shall we say, yeah. you can go and join a game for a couple of hours and just think about having fun and getting some good exercise. Yeah. Stu, I think a couple of years ago, it seemed to me the narrative on pickleball in part was this is a, a sport for seniors and we're seeing so much growth because it's so popular in that community. But it seems to me, especially the last couple of years, that it's gone beyond that. I mean, I'm sure that there still is a very large percentage of the senior community that uh, has embraced the game for some of the same reasons that you just described. But is it me or does it seem like uh, now we're seeing the sport expand a little bit from where that narrative might have been a few years ago? Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, the, the sport grew in senior communities and, and homeowners associations and the Sun Belt, where seniors could go out and, you know, they probably used to play tennis, but they you know, they're not that mobile anymore. So they wanted to play a sport where they have to move but not run, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Uh, and as I said, a little bit easier to pick up and compete. So the original growth of the sport was the 55 plus or even the 65 plus demographic. Now it's growing everywhere, still growing among seniors, but it's growing amongst kids, it's growing against you know the 18 to 34 and 35 to 54. So now, in fact, of that 4.2 million players that you just referenced, gosh, almost 50% of them are 18 to 50, or excuse me, are eight to 54. Oh, wow. And then 20% are under, under 18. So that really only leaves about 30% who are 55 plus. So it's definitely shifting to more middle age and younger. Now, having said that, the younger players tend to be more casual, meaning they, they play, you know, half a dozen times a year where, mm-hmm. The 55-plus crowd are definitely the more serious players, you know, playing 10 times or more like that. And for some context here, Stu, is this, from what you know, I mean, is this a U.S. phenomenon or is this sort of thing happening internationally at this point? I mean, is there a, a pickleball scene beyond the United States? It's growing. Mm-hmm. There, there's an international federation, the International Federation of Pickleball, and I believe they have about 60 member countries but most of them are very small federations, might even be small clubs somewhere. Uh, so there's not the international uh, expansion, uh, certain to, certainly to the degree that you're seeing here in the States. Canada is big, so it's definitely more of a North American phenomenon right now. Well, one of the things that I, of course, want to chat with you about, as you know, our audience of destinations and, and venues, interesting hosting events, of course, we'll, we'll talk about events and kind of what those look like. But I think even before we get to a discussion on what organized pickleball events are looking like right now, let's chat a bit about the venues that are being used, because it's interesting. I think we've seen a handful of, of pickleball-specific venues being developed in recent years, and I'm sure we'll see more. And we've also seen evidence of the sport being configured on tennis courts what is uh, give me a sense of kind of the the state of the industry right now when we talk about pickleball venues what's what's happening on specific you know actual places designed for pickleball is it happening and are you seeing more of it yes to all of that (laughs) it's a little bit of everything as you said the beginning of uh, the development of pickleball facilities really started with people converting tennis courts to pickleball courts because you can fit four pickleball courts into one tennis court. And so clubs, public parks, rec centers, we're we're doing that to start to meet some of the demand of pickleball play. And that's still happening a lot. Now facilities are building pickleball only courts and still it's kind of all across the board. 
And we get tons of requests from people who need help on building facilities because they don't know how to do it, how to convert tennis courts to pickle. And these could be, again, four courts in a public park to someone who wants to build a 60-court facility and host national tournaments, Mm -hmm. uh, to more recreational facilities like chicken and pickle uh, and other places that are good food and fun and also there's pickleball, sort of kind of like the bowling center, if you will, right, right. pickleball, that, that concept, more of an entertainment complex, complex with pickleball. So it, it's really all over the place now. But what is certainly happening to varying degrees, our developers are looking at pickleball-only facilities because the demand is there. In fact, that's probably our biggest challenge as a sport right now is there are not enough places to play to meet the demand. So... When courts are being built, it's usually to meet the demand of the town, you know, if it's a municipality. Um, and that is usually done by taking one or two tennis courts and converting them to pickleball. And not just by taping them over, but repaving, relining them, starting and kind of starting from scratch. As you look to bigger facilities, many public parks or, or municipalities are building facilities that are have many pickleball courts but also designed to host major tournaments and that's where it gets a little bit more complex because if you want to host one of our regional tournaments or if you want to host an app tour professional professional tour event or a ppa tour event not only do you need a lot of courts you need lights you need locker room facilities you need concessions uh, and that's not just done by taking a bunch of tennis courts and putting tape on them and, and dropping the nets to play pickleball. So it takes a lot of time and effort to do that. But those courts can then be full year-round by recreational players. Yeah, we've seen some examples, Stu, even of groups that have interestingly wanted our attention at the magazine who are basically housing developers who are building communities and want to let us know that, hey, we're putting pickleball-specific courts here that conceivably could host events. And that's an interesting audience that even we've never really had in front of us before. But I think that's some of what's happening. Sure. Housing developments, uh, resorts are starting to do that. In fact, our offices are at the JW Marriott Desert Ridge in, in Phoenix. And they have converted a large number of their tennis courts to permanent pickleball courts because they have corporate events coming in who want to, who want to play. And this is a big you know, thousand room plus property. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sort of do a lot of convention and meeting business. So they have groups who come in and want to play. They have weekenders who come in for pickleball packages. They also host some pro tour events. So they have the, the setup to, to handle all of that. Right. You alluded to this before, Stu, but obviously depending on how serious the event is, and how recreational it is, to do it right, we're talking about more than just taping over a tennis court if you really wanted to have a facility that could host a a tournament or or some sort of sanctioned event. Yeah. Well, uh, for a major tournament, a professional tournament, yes. You you really should be having painted lines, uh, pickleball-only facilities. You also want to have some sort of stadium or championship court because that allows you to sell tickets or VIP packages to that area, perhaps. But it also needs to be set up for broadcast, because now the Pro Tours and all of our events are being streamed or are, or on cable. 
And if you're not set up for a broadcast crew to come in there and have it look professional when you're televising it, then you're, then you're coming up short. Yeah. It's so interesting, too. Uh, even as I was preparing for our conversation yesterday, I received—so I live in, in suburban Denver. We have a, a tennis court complex in the neighborhood where I am that's been uh, a, you know, a little run down, and they're looking to, to revamp it. And just yesterday, in the newsletter I got, was a, a whole questionnaire and a survey uh, that had been done, uh, the results of a survey, about would you rather see pickleball here uh, while we're considering you know redoing the tennis courts? And even in my own community, which is a mix of ages, the response— response overwhelmingly was yes we would you know one build pickleball courts and two if you build them we'll come play over there and i, I would imagine that's a similar conversation that's happening around the country and not just in the sunbelt states as we were talking oh, about it, initially it, yeah you're right it, it is everywhere and we get called i just got a call earlier today from a gentleman who uh, runs a club in florida and he's got a dilemma where he has tennis courts that are full but he also has a huge demand for pickleball so what does he do the, the easy answer is build pickleball courts but there's an expense to that because mm -hmm. he doesn't want to give up any of his tennis courts usually what will happen is that the, the business model is very attractive if you can convert one or depending on the, on the size of your facility if you can convert one or two tennis courts to four or eight pickleball courts it makes a lot of business sense think of it one one tennis court four players you can put four pickleball courts in the same area, 16 players. Yeah. So in terms of participation, revenue from equipment, concessions, it, it's quadruple. So it's, it's economically smart to give up a court or two. What do you think this looks like a, a few years from now if we were having this conversation? Do you imagine we'll we'll continue to see more pickleball specific venues being developed? I mean, at some oh, point, that's uh, a yeah, no, without a doubt, because we already know of major developments around the country with 30, 40, 50, 60 courts that are in planning stages or even early stages of construction. So that that's definitely going to happen. You're listening to the Sports Shovel Podcast. This episode is being sponsored by the Atlantic City Sports Commission. The Atlantic City Sports Commission will source the ideal space or venue for any sporting event. Whether on the water or by it, Atlantic City's world-famous boardwalk and beaches are the perfect place to play and stay. With more than 15 athletic venues, over 17,500 hotel rooms, 486,000 square feet of convention center space, and more, events held in Atlantic City are right at home. The Atlantic City Sports Commission, in partnership with Pickleball Entertainment Consultants, LLC, is thrilled to announce that the Atlantic City Convention Center will be serving up the world's largest indoor pickleball championships on September 19th through the 24th, 2022. For more information on everything Atlantic City has to offer, visit AtlanticCitySports.org. And now, back to the episode. Well, let's shift the conversation a little bit, Stu, to the event side. Obviously, events are happening, whether they're in pickleball-specific venues or not. You referenced a few of the professional tours that are out there that we'll, that we'll talk about that are doing interesting things in some pretty big venues as well. Let's talk about USA Pickleball specifically as, the, as a national governing body. Um, you're sanctioning events. You uh, own and operate events. What's happened there in recent years and kind of how many events do you as an organization right now put on yourselves? Yeah, we our biggest event is the national championships. You know, the Margarita National Championships, they're at Indian Wells Tennis Garden. Normally in early November, it got pushed back this year a month to December because of COVID and other things going on at the facility. But that is the biggest and most prestigious of all the, the pickleball tournaments out there. And 
this year we had over 2,300 players come wow. to, com- to compete over about nine days of competition. And it's all age and skill levels from uh, teens to 70 plus and 3.0 to 5.0 and, and, and pro pro levels as well. And it's men's and women's singles, men's and women's doubles and, and mixed doubles. Right. And you had good broadcast coverage on that as well, I saw. Yeah, we were broadcast on ESPN Plus, and then the finals were a two-hour uh, tape delay show on ESPNU. So it was, it was really terrific. And so that is that's sort of the premier event, and we own that, and we operate it in conjunction with Desert Champions at Indian Wells Tennis Garden. We also uh, created a national championship series. So it's a, some events leading up to our nationals, and these have become the qualifying events for our nationals. And we have a relationship with the APP Tour where some of their events are part of our national championship series, as well as an event we created on our own in Newport Beach, California. Uh, so we, we run that. You know, that's, we own and operate that event. We also own and operate the national indoor championships, which take place in June. Uh, last year and this year, they'll be in uh, Hoover, Alabama. And then we are going to be introducing a – Diamond Amateur Championship event in December at a great facility called Pictona, which is in Holly Hills, Florida, right outside of Daytona. It's a facility that's doubling in size, pickleball only. Hmm. Uh, So that's going to be another qualifying event for our national championship. So we own and operate that. To take it one level below that, we, we are divided into 12 regions of USA Pickleball. And each region will run a regional championship every year. And those events can range from, gosh, 600 to 1,500 players. Mm-hmm. And those the people who win in their age of skill levels, win gold medals in that event, qualify for that diamond amateur championship in Pictona. And then if you win at Pictona, you qualify for the nationals. And what's your relationship like right now, Stu, I mean, as a governing body with the host destinations? Are you at a place where these events are, they have RFPs and cities are bidding on them? Or do you pretty much have your own facilities that you know that have worked, that are willing to host? I mean, where where is the landscape at right now on that? Right now, it's pretty much because the number of facilities that are qualified to host these events are limited, we go directly to the facility. For example, we had the relationship with Pentona and and then we and we negotiated an agreement with them. I think cities are getting and CVBs and sports commissions are getting more interested, but because the number of facilities that can handle these big events are pretty small, the RFP process doesn't quite make sense yet. But I think we'll get there in a year or two. As there but if, if a, every city has a facility with let's say 24 dedicated pickleball courts with, as I said, lighting and concessions and and locker facilities and adequate parking, then you could get into a situation where where we could put some major events out to bid. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the indoor championship. Is that an aspect of the sport that's growing? I think we've seen a few uh, examples lately of some interesting indoor tournaments that are that are happening. I, I think I always associated the sport as an outdoor sport on, on outdoor tennis courts, but it seems like there are, are growing opportunities, which may open up more geographic areas, I imagine, uh, year-round for you. No doubt. Uh, and the indoor game is you know, certainly bigger in the, in the northern states <laughs> in the, in the, and in the wintertime, but even people down south would prefer to play indoors 
in July or August mm-hmm. than being than being out in the heat and humidity. So it's um, still a relatively small piece of the competitive landscape, though. The outdoor mm-hmm. game still is dominant. Yeah. But we thought it was important enough to have an indoor championship for those people who specialize in that aspect of the game. Because it's usually it's a, it's a wood flooring, it's a basketball-type flooring. The ball is a little different, so the game is a bit different than the outdoor game. Mm-hmm. We uh, were talking earlier, and we made reference to a few different organizations. There are a couple of professional leagues that are out there. There's the Professional Pickleball Association, the PPA Tour. You mentioned as well the APP Tour, Association of Pickleball Professionals, if I've got that right. And so, uh, I mean, there there is some growth at the highest level, at this elite level. We see it in press releases we get. There are athletes that are being sponsored by organizations and, and uh, tours that they can compete on with uh, some decent prize money as well. Has that end of the sport been growing in recent years, Stu? Oh, no doubt. And both of those tours are relatively new. I think they're only, what, maybe three years old. Mm-hmm. So the pro game is growing. It's getting more exposure through broadcast deals, more sponsors are, are getting involved, which then allows prize money to increase. So hopefully more and more pros can make a living being professional pickleball players as opposed to having it as a sort of a part-time gig. Right. Um, you know, they might be a, a lawyer or a, or a dentist or something during the day and a pickleball <laughs> pro on the weekends. Right. And yet, I was going to say, in some of these events, Stu, I mean, you've got your own uh, national championships at Indian Wells, uh, of course, enormous professional tennis complex. I saw the APP Tour just announced a, a three-year deal to have an event at the Billie Jean King National Tennis Center in New York. So these are pretty serious venues where you know the, the high end of the sport is competing right now. It's interesting. No, it really is. Yeah, I think that the APP deal with, with the Tennis Center in Flushing Meadows is awesome. It's going to be a great great experience for the players and for the fans. And it's also taking professional pickleball to a market where it hasn't had a lot of exposure. So that's going to be pretty cool. And so what's happening is as those types of deals get announced and sponsors get involved, the level of exposure for not just the pros, but for the game itself expands. And that's what's important to us. Yeah, the, the pro game, quite frankly, is a very small piece of what we do as a national governing body of our, right. you know, of our 53,000 members, what, maybe a couple hundred of them are pros. <laughs> um, so we're really looking to you know, grow the amateur game, the, the, the competitive player, but also the recreational player and promote leagues. But we want the pros to be successful because they can kind of lead the way for the sport to continue to you know, get more exposure and grow. Having said right. that, the prize monies are, are, are getting up there but they're still pretty small. So a while until we see the uh, the Pickleball National Center uh, name for Billie Jean King or the Pickleball equivalent of, of might, Billie might Jean King. It might take a while. <laughs> it might, might take a while. When we, when, when we get to the point where you were like in tennis or golf where you win a million dollars or $2 million for winning a tournament, then we've made it. Right. We're, we're a few zeros off of that right now. No doubt. But, uh, you know, you mentioned sponsorship just recently, Stu. I wanted to talk to you about that. Even as USA Pickleball is an organization, we've seen some interesting sponsor deals that you've been signing uh, of late. I saw Consumer Cellular. Uh, you've got a protein drink, even a CBD sponsorship. What uh, I'm curious what those conversations are like. Are companies and potential sponsors finding you at this point, seeing the, the growth of the sport? Are you actively seeking them? What's that conversation like? 
Well, we're actively seeking them, but it's getting a lot easier. They're, they're taking our calls now. Where <laughs> three years from now, if we got a meeting, we first of all had to explain what the heck pickleball is. Right. And then explain why it might be a good fit for their for their marketing efforts. So we actually take a lot of calls ourselves. So sponsors or potential sponsors are reaching out to us. And where the dynamic has changed is that the events are bigger. Uh, and I mentioned our national championship series, which are all on ESPN Plus and for the fan leading up to our national. So now we have a, a, a real broadcast and event package we can go to a sponsor with, including being associated with our brand, the national governing of the body, access to our membership, which continues to grow. So it's a much more meaningful conversation to have. And sponsors just recognize the, the word of mouth. They hear all this about pickleball and want to know if they can get involved. And and now it's just not the endemic sponsors. You know, it's not the paddle manufacturers or the equipment folks. It is, you know, the beverage companies, uh, other categories that are uh, wanting to get involved. We talked about your background. Uh, of course, you were with the U.S. Bowling Congress for a while. You were with the International Tennis uh, Hall of Fame as well af- after that. So what was your own familiarity with pickleball when you took on this role? What's it been, a little over a year now that you've been? Yeah, it's at- been about yeah, 14 months. I started in December of 2020. And I had a, a knowledge of the sport for sure because I had been in tennis for six years, mm-hmm. having been at the International Tennis Hall of Fame up in Newport and working closely with the USTA and all sorts of tennis entities, pickleball was certainly on the radar of the tennis community and not necessarily in a positive way. Yeah, uh, It was a bit of a threat, probably still is, because as we talked earlier, if tennis courts are being converted to pickleball courts, that's not great for the game of tennis. You know, we want to be friends and work closely with the t- tennis community. There are things we could do with court development that can uh, satisfy everybody's uh, needs and demand for for courts but for a long time even before pickleball started to get popular it was certainly seen as a bit of a threat to tennis players and therefore i had that kind of knowledge but i didn't really understand until i got here the real potential of the sport Mm-hmm. And for some context, we we started at the outset with that SFIA study that showed 4 million people playing pickleball. I think the number was something like 21 million for tennis. So tennis, obviously, still popular, but nonetheless, you could uh, I could certainly envision a scenario where the powers that be in the, in the tennis world are at least looking over their shoulder, needing to be aware of what these trends are. Sure. Yeah. No doubt about it. And uh, we also talked about your background in bowling. Uh, You mentioned it a little earlier, but uh, I see some similarities here uh, as well. I mean, a very approachable, uh, seemingly recreational sport with a professional end uh, as well. And their unique challenge, of course, in bowling is finding the space and the the specific venues for it. So um, when I think about it, I, I also see some similarities here in pickleball. I wonder if you do as well for maybe where bowling was a, a few decades back as it was starting to see it, its big growth spurt. There certainly are a ton of similarities, e- even today, because one of the main benefits of being a member of the United States Bowling Congress was you're, you have a you know, certified average, you get to play in, in certified leagues, and that's very similar to our membership at Pickleball. You get a you get a rating and you get a tournament rating, uh, and you can play in sanctioned tournaments. So that's one part of it. The second part of it is it is very social. Uh, as we just talked about a little while ago, people are playing to have a good time. 
It's hanging out with friends. It's gathering on a regular basis to play pickleball. Bowling was very similar. But third part is when you get to be really competitive, as in bowling, it gets really hard. You know, <laughs> the pro players or, or the four, five, five zero rated pickleball players are really skilled and practice a lot. Uh, and it's a very technical sport. There's a lot of strategy behind it. And you don't know that until you get involved with the game and, and watch pros play and, and play it more yourself. Bowling was very much the same. You could go out there and you think you have a 200 average on your local, on your local lanes. Then you go play in national championship conditions uh, at our nationals uh, in bowling, and the lane patterns are hard, and all of a sudden you, you roll a 140, mm-hmm. and you don't know why, just because <laughs> right. it's hard. It's really hard to be really good on tough conditions, and pickleball is like that. Stu, do you play at all pickleball? Are you uh, sure. on the court? Yeah, not, not competitively, but mm-hmm. I play recreationally here and other places. I wish my job gave me a little bit more time to play more <laughs> often, but I've always got, got the paddle with me just in case. Excellent. Well, that's always good. Well, as we look uh, ahead, I always like to end these with kind of a, you know, something forward looking. Um, obviously, a tremendous opportunity here, particularly on the venue development side, it seems to me, and, and just the continued maturation of your events. I mean, where do you see the, the next big challenges here for, for the sport? You've got this tremendous upswell right now and uh, a lot of buzz, a lot of interest, a lot of participation. But I would think there may be some potential for some growing pains here in the next couple of years as well. Yeah. Number one are enough places to play. There's there's a big demand for courts. And, and and if we don't have enough facilities that can handle it, we run the risk of people getting frustrated. If they show up on a Saturday morning and have to wait two hours to get on a court, they're going to go find something else to do. So that that's an important priority right there. Uh, second part of it is because it's a little bit of the wild, wild west out there with different leagues and all sorts of manufacturers and people who want to get involved and run tournaments. That's all great, but eventually that's going to have to shake out. Mm -hmm. Not everybody is going to win. And as an example, I believe we, as a national governing body, tested and approved 300 different types of paddles last year. Wow. Because manufacturers submit their products for approval to be be certified to play and, and sanctioned play. So 300. I couldn't tell you the number of paddle manufacturers are out there now. And it started with brands that were committed solely to pickleball and have been for years, like you know, Selkirk and Engage, great companies, great products. But now you have Head, Wilson, Yonex, Babolat, you know, the, the tennis manufacturers are getting involved. So that's going to be interesting. But the, no industry is going to be able to handle dozens and dozens of manufacturers. Mm-hmm. So are there mergers? Are there acquisitions? Do some emerge as the winners? Do some fall out? Same goes with uh, facilities. I'm, I'm, I don't want to fall into the trap that golf fell into, what, 20 years ago, where they overbuilt golf mm-hmm. courses. We don't want to have too many pickleball facilities that 10 years from now are, are sitting empty or unused. I don't think that's going to happen because we really do project the growth to continue to serve. There's nothing to prevent that right now. As long as we keep building the right number of facilities and good places to play, then we'll be okay. Right. Well, you're certainly in an interesting spot as the national governing body uh, to help oversee that and 
and bring everything to a to the future that it seems like is developing here for pickleball. So, Stu, I just want to thank you for your time with us today. It's been a, just a great discussion, and I think uh, you know our entire industry is is watching closely what's happening with the sport. And uh, I think we're only going to see amazing things here in the next couple of years as all this stuff continues to develop. So would love to stay in touch with you down the road as all of this happens. But, uh, you know, best of luck to you and and your staff at USA Pickleball. And uh, we'll be paying close attention here in the weeks and months to come. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, let's keep in touch for sure. It's, it's, it's going to be a fun ride. And uh, I enjoyed our conversation. Glad we could do this. This has been another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Past episodes are also available at sportstravelmagazine.com, which features regularly updated breaking news and in-depth features on stories related to the sports event industry. Be sure to visit us daily at sportstravelmagazine.com, at Sports Travel on Twitter and Instagram, and at Sports Travel Magazine on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until then, this is Jason Gilberts for Sports Travel, and thanks for listening.